At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let me introduce you to our latest sponsor, the Andre Law Firm. Andre Law can represent you or your business in a variety of civil and commercial matters. Do you have a client that has proven difficult to collect from? Andre Law also specializes in collection law and can expedite your collection on judgments from your defaulting clients. The principal of Andre Law Firm is Tony Andre, a North Miami native with years of experience representing businesses and individuals throughout the state of Florida. Based in Aventura, you can give him a call at 786-708-0813 or visit his website at andrelaw.com. Again, give Andre Law a call at 786 786- Seven zero eight zero eight one three to set up your consultation. All right, I want to talk to you about a new sponsor of ours, and it's one that's very relevant to the moment. They're a new division of Greenview Construction, and they are called Making America Clean Again. Making America Clean Again holds certificates in bacterial, viral, fungi, and mold cleaning treatments. They offer professional cleaning, sanitizing, disinfecting, and sterilization services to a wide range of residential and commercial projects. You can do overnight ozone UV generator treatments or even permanently install UV ionized advanced oxidation technology into your HVAC system. Now, we know and understand, and quite frankly, we hope, that businesses across the state and nation remain shuttered as long as absolutely necessary necessary to beat back the spread of the coronavirus. But when that time finally comes, it's having that certificate to display at your workplace showing that it has been properly cleaned by a licensed professional and maintained will go a long way to restoring that customer trust. So for more information, you can look up Making America Clean Again. You can go to their website at www.macainc.net or you can just call them at 855-561-6653. Again, that's 855-561-6653. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And this is your pre-draft edition. Gone are the previews. It's draft week. Chris, being that it's draft week, there was kind of some news that you had in hand, but Pro Football Network kind of got the jump on you there, and I guess they're now the purveyors of it. What was that news specifically? Well, it's not new news because we've we've covered it on the podcast, I think, a couple of times. Um, but I've I've been hearing for a couple of weeks at least, and really more like a couple of months that um, that the one guy that that doesn't make sense, or the one guy that is not going to probably be the draft pick for Miami and 
I know this flies directly in the face of what literally everybody was saying, everybody nationally, uh, as well as locally, is Justin Herbert. That that Justin Herbert's probably not going to be the guy, and that he's um, that he's not a great fit for Brian Flores, and uh, and not predicted to be. And and this comes from to me, you know, it's all about sources, and I, I know that rumors fly, and you kind of take some with a grain of salt, and. You realize that some are disinformation, some are not. But there are some guys that um, that you have that are are rock solid, and mm-hmm. uh, I trust. I trust where this is coming from, particularly because I'm tired of being wrong <laughs> every time. Every time I doubt what this person says to me, um, yeah. you know. So, which has happened so many times now, it's it's ridiculous. I mean. You know the the name Raekwon McMillan gets tossed out to me, and I'm like, yeah, you know, grain of salt. I'm not, and then that's exactly the take. Or they they say they say that uh, Adam Gase is actually on the hot seat mm-hmm. in 2018, and you know we're all like, nah, that doesn't make sense, you know. And then then he's fired after 2018. And then, you know, I hear hear from this person that Steve Ross is thinking about blowing it all up, and you know, in 2018, mm-hmm. and I'm like, eh, you know, that just doesn't sound like Steve Ross. And that's exactly what he did. Brian Flores is the guy, you know, that's what this person was telling me. And we're like, yeah, we're here that Chris Richard is it. And no, Brian Flores, you know, so I, I think that, and then the Laramie Tunsil thing, which was, you know, obviously. Uh, so I'm tired of being wrong. And this person has been telling me for a while now that Justin Herbert is not the guy, um, or at least uh, as far as ownership is concerned, um, not very likely to be the guy. And, uh, and so I, I think that's interesting in light of what you hear out there uh, about, about Herbert over Tua for Miami, how Herbert, you know, the rock solid, less injury risk, that sort of stuff. You know, may, uh, maybe that's – maybe you start to doubt that. Anyway, I, overall, I think that this still – I continue to think this comes down to either Tua Tungavailoa at number five overall or um, – Jordan Love and if it is Jordan Love you know part of me is like man it's really risky to try to get him yeah. a little later yeah. but yeah especially but it's doable especially so. when yeah you're gonna have much like let's say they do pass and they're gonna try to get back to, to Jordan Love the competition is gonna be fierce because I think the Raiders and the Patriots then come in to the picture for Jordan Love so like who are you really competing with like Simon wouldn't that be the the riskiest of moves I've been saying it for a couple of weeks, though, haven't I? Um, That it wouldn't surprise me at all if they passed on a quarterback at at five and then traded back up later on, depending on who's slipping, who's falling. You know, there's talk today about Love potentially even falling out in the first round. I don't think the Raiders, you read both Albert Breer, Peter King today, Peter Schrager saying that, you know, um, Mayock and Gruden are very intrigued by Marcus Mariota. I'm just not sure you can have a quarterback with Derek Carr, Mariota and Jordan Love. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Um, You know, I think the similarities to look at with Dan Marino and Jordan Love, they're clearly not the same player, obviously. But, you know, disappointing senior season, um, or disappointing final season, the the drug issues surrounding both of them. You could see that, you know, I don't know what level of pull Marino has, but you can see that there's clearly a significant amount of intrigue within regarding Jordan Love. You know, we've heard this consistently for months and months and months. 
you know, not only did they get him in for, he was one of only two or three players that they managed to get in for a 30 visit. They've also been FaceTiming him um, a number of times during this process. There's clearly interest there. Um, you know, we hear today that, you know, the Dolphins could be targeting Andrew Thomas at five and then seeing where the chips fall in terms of, in terms of quarterbacks. Um, I think there's enough smoke around Justin Herbert to, to make me believe it's not Justin Herbert. Um, But I just don't think the proposition of them not, uh, of them taking a quarterback is not off the table at five. I just, you know, are they comfortable with Tua's situation? We all know what we would do, but I just don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. There's too many smart football people who know too many, you know, smart football people in football saying there's a possibility they might, you know, they might pass on a quarterback at five and see if they can move up later on. The other, the flip side to that is that they take a quarterback at five and then they're looking to trade up for an Andrew Thomas from, you know, 18 and 25. Then we saw Peter Schrager today say, look, what if the Dolphins would give up 18, 25, 39 to Detroit for pick number three? I mean, you know, that threw the cat amongst the pitches as well. So I just don't, I, I think what's happened ultimately is that the team have done an amazing job of, of creating so much, you know, smoke around what's happening, smoke and mirrors. And maybe it's, you know, Occam's razor. Maybe it's the, the, the simplest thing is the most obvious thing, which has always been to her. So, but, I, you know, I'm more confused about it this year than I think I've ever been. So we shall see. I've never and, been confused about one aspect. Not confused, it. but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I understand what, what you're saying. One thing I've, that hasn't confused me in this whole run-up has been this Herbert stuff. Because the first time I heard, I'll give you, I'll give, I'll tell you straight up. The first time I heard about Jordan Love, you guys told me about him. Okay. The first time I heard that Justin Herbert sucks was from somebody inside the building in Davie. Okay. When I was completely sold on Justin Herbert and I was told, watch him closely and especially watch him tonight. And I watched him like a hawk when he played against Auburn to open the season and then continued to watch him. And I saw all the flaws that were pointed out to me by somebody who's actually in the know in that building. So they've been on to Herbert not being the ideal prospect for a while. So that struck me as like it made no sense. If if there's already doubts somewhere in that building and they're looking for flaws, he can't be the guy. And and especially since they tore down the team to, you know, for essentially for what was, you know, the tank for two thing. You know, everybody knew when the season started, when they were tearing apart the team, who the number one prospect was because Joe Burrow – at that time was a day three pick. So it never really made sense to me that Justin Herbert off the strength of the senior bowl is going to move up all these boards. I don't think so. It's never yeah, the, flip side, the flip side to me, I suppose, is that if you're going to take Andrew Thomas at five or Tristan or mm-hmm. whoever, why would you trade Larry Tunstall? Yes. Yeah. That doesn't, yeah. that's never made any sense to me. That's the one thing that brings me back to Wacam's razor, which is to, you know, if you are going to pass on, you know, I know that there's players that they love. I know for a fact that they love Derek Brown. They mm-hmm. absolutely love Derek Brown. His personality jives so well with Brian Flores, and Flores has a lot of a lot of truck in that. You know, in that room. You know, his. You know, there was a. I saw somebody from Iowa the other day, University of Iowa, say that you know Flores knows as much about um, about analysing college players as any coach they've ever been around. It might have been Kirk Ferentz actually who said that. Um, just because of his history that we all know in terms of his personnel work that he did with the Patriots. But I keep coming back to if they're going to take a tackle at five, why would you trade Tunsil? That doesn't make any sense. Just just keep Tunsil because, mm. you know, they like well, Brown enough, Isaiah Simmons, who knows? But, you know, 
it, that that's the one thing that's stuck in my head. Why would you get rid of an elite tackle to bring in a to to use a fifth pick on a on another guy when you didn't need to trade Thompson in the first place? A couple of things come to mind though. One brought up by Armando Zaguero of the Miami Herald, and that was the sort of the the difference, the contrast between the things that uh, Chris Greer said and uh, Tom Telesco of the San or Los Angeles Chargers uh, about what they're going to do at the the pick and and what they prioritize. Chris Greer was very adamant. You know, the tape is the first and most important thing. And, um, you know, the injury thing, he, he really downplayed it. He talked about, you know, a lot of this was standard GM dissembling, but he, he downplayed it to, some, to the extent that he actually started going into, you know, previous names. You know, Jake Long was a guy that Jeff Ireland said you couldn't hurt with an ax. Well, he got yeah. into the NFL and he had an injury-riddled career. Curtis Martin was a guy that could never stay healthy in college. And uh, Chris Greer was – part of uh, drafting him up in New England and um, and he had a brilliant NFL career and, and stayed healthy. Frank Gore, of course, is another example of that, I think. Um, and, and so Chris Greer brought up these things, whereas Tom Telesco was asked about what he's looking for and, and the injuries thing was, was all he talked about. You know, he was like, you know, that's really important, availability, all, all the stuff, all the cliche stuff. Um, it makes it made me wonder because you know I, I understand that you don't want to give away your cards in public like that, but at the same time, everybody is saying Justin Herbert to Miami, like behind the behind the scenes. And somehow, and it all happened in a period of a weird period of about two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, where everybody migrated from this Tua thing straight to Justin Herbert and said the Dolphins are turned off by Tua. And um, they don't like his medicals and they do like Justin Herbert. They like uh, Herbert's their guy. Herbert's the one that everybody has Herbert to the Miami Dolphins right now in their mock drafts, everybody national, um, most of the locals. So I, I wonder if the, you know, sort of the smoke screen is kind of happening behind the scenes and then in public, because somebody's going to go back to his words, uh, Chris Greer's words on this and say, you know, if he takes Justin Herbert over to a tongue of Iloa, it'd be like, I thought the injury stuff, you know, doesn't matter. Now all of a sudden it does. You know, I kind of wonder about that. So that's that's one thing, the, the, the contrast between the things that they said. The other thing is, and this is the other thing, the news that, that I've heard, and I've, I've had this from two sources now, is that the Miami Dolphins have medically cleared to a tongue of Iloa. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and I went ahead and, and made sure to check this. And, you know, what I'm hearing is that, uh, is that they have, though, not, though it is understood that not everybody in the league has done so, uh, not every team in the league, some teams have uh, flunked him, actually, um, that the About Miami six, Dolphins right? are, yes, the, the Miami Dolphins are comfortable with him, mm-hmm. uh, with the medical risk, uh, his medical file is complete, and, um, and they did not flunk him, they passed him. So I think that that's, interesting because it could have been a pitfall yes they could have overruled from the top you know the doctors and and everybody says that they should after the drew Brees fiasco but i think it's also important to know that um that he was cleared now what i'm told uh is that associated with this injury is basically a 15 percent chance that sometime in the first year um he will either develop uh a loss or a blood flow 
issue or which would, you know, potentially lead to avascular necrosis, uh, which I don't think is very likely. I think nobody thinks is, is very likely, but there could be a blood flow issue or more likely arthritis, significant arthritis um, and wear and tear that happens in the first year that would show up and would give you a, a good signal that, you know, this guy's career is going to be short. And, um, and so if he can avoid those issues in the first, second, you know, third years, then he's probably okay. And I'm, I'm told that from physical trainers that work with Olympic athletes, that with this injury, that it's about a 15% uh, chance of that happening um, in the, in the short term period. And, you know, that's just the, that's the risk that you've got to take with Tua Tungavailoa. So you, you, I, to me, you put that together with his chances of becoming the kind of player that you think he is as a, um, you know, based on his college career and, and you see how it, how it shakes out, you know, how does that shake out relative to a Jordan love? How does that shake out relative to a, uh, to a Justin Herbert? And uh, if I'm the Miami dolphins and I've got a, uh, an arsenal of picks at my disposal, not only this year, but next year where they have two firsts and two seconds. And you're telling me that within a year, I'll, I'll, I'll be able, I'll probably have a fairly good idea of whether we ran into a problem with Tua then I can always circle back, you know, I, I can always circle back and yeah. yeah, we took the chance. The worst outcome happened, you know, shit happens. We got, we got a chance to, to come back and get another quarterback. Um, I would rather take that chance on the greatness than, than really just settle. And, um, and that's what, uh, that's what I feel like. And I think that's what all three of us feel absolutely like you're doing with Justin Herbert. Absolutely. Two things for me. One is, do you think that they might double down and take two quarterbacks relatively early mm. this year? So let's say they take Tua at five and Jalen Hurts at 39, for argument's sake, just to, you know, just to shake the whole thing up. I think that's if, it's, cool. if that's done, it'll be done to appease the owner who might have a question. If the owner has questions about his health, about Tua Tungabailoa's health, the front office might say, you know what, let's double back with a profile, with a high-profile name in the second round. Jalen Hurts would be that guy. Mm. Or maybe second a, point then, you never know. Maybe the se- Jake Fromm if he gets down there. Yeah, the second point then is, let's be honest, it's 50-50 at best that there's even going to be a season next year. Right, I right. Mean, you know, you, I see one of your governors today saying that he's reopening barbershops and malls and gyms. I mean, gyms? Come on, if there was the nine millionth place in the country, I wouldn't want to be, you know, touching other equipment and stuff where you could potentially pass something on. It's a gymnasium. And yet, you know, he's saying, you know, we, there's nothing we can do. We need to get America back. You know, that that to me is madness. I think it's less than 50 50 that'll even be a season. So you're essentially, you know, you know pretty well that two is not going to get hit for a year. He's going to have a year essentially just to refit his hip, just sit tight, just you know, completely get back to strength, probably continue to work with the strength guys that he's working with in conjunction with the Dolphins guys. So, you know, I think that just, it all just points to the guy that we've always thought all along and the smoke machines have been going harder than they've ever been before, but this just feels right. Yeah. Well, I I think there will be a season uh, based on what 
I don't. Staying in New York, I, I, in California, right now. How 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 do you have a season? How do you without have? A, I mean, how do you have a college football season without? Yeah, but fans, without fa- without. Play. Okay, but how do you do that? How do you get ninety? So you're going to get ninety people, essentially, from each team. How what, are you going to put all thirty-two teams in what in one big hotel complex? How how's that going to work? How are you going to stop them getting sick? There's no vaccine now, you know, with college well, we're gonna football. We're going to wait for a vaccine, then they got to fold the NFL, MLB, NHL, the Premier League, boxing. I mean, if we're going to wait for a vaccine, because that's 18 months I, away. I think it does depend. I think it really does depend on the trajectory of, of you know, of the, the virus from here. I mean, and I, I analyze this for a living, basically. Um, and it the the secondary waves and and third waves, if they occur – then yes, they could they could affect the NFL season. You could see, um, you know, week to week suspensions. You could see uh, a shortening of the season somehow. Uh, they just have to fold up and and not play anymore. Uh, I think that is a legitimate possibility. I think that's what Simon's speaking to. Um, yeah. As of right now, uh, as what they intend, I can tell you that they they absolutely and everybody around them absolutely intends to go on and they, they intend to, yes, they, then they're going to try and sequester the sequester, the players. They are going to try and do high frequency, you know, testing and, and make sure that everybody um, is safe and, and try and catch the guys that, that do have the virus before they can play and give it to other people. Um, that's within, that is, that is within reach. I think um, the problem for me is, what happens with the players and the players unions and the union uh, if they find out that these four players have it, you know, and, and everybody's like, well, I shared, I'm sharing a locker room with that guy, or I, I just played against that guy. Or, I mean, it's basically what happened with the NBA. One guy got it and they folded up immediately, you know, and, and, and then everybody else, there's a cascade of positives uh, out of the NBA because they're essentially super spreaders. Um, so I think that I think that there is a significant chance, based on secondary infections or se- infection waves, that they could just decide this isn't feasible. We can't do this. Um, but as of right now, they they are absolutely intending to move forward. Um, so and I I certainly don't think there'll be a college football season. I don't think you can. I don't think you can put you know a college team uh, how can they how can they do this how can they possibly do their studies and play football they can't be in the same room as the other students i mean that would be impossible so um and that then brings up the question you know if you're if you're trevor lawrence if you're justin fields if you're brock purdy if you're the kid at north dakota state if you're all these players do you even you know if the what if they say i tell you what the college football season will be february till april do you even play mm-hmm. i mean and then you'd go eighteen months, two years without seeing some of these guys play. So it's fascinating. I mean, they could we have just a, don't know. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. As of right now, they're going to release a schedule for college football. They're going to release it, at, you know, in, in it's you know in total. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see a very truncated schedule, like a six-game season that starts somewhere in October, something like that, and maybe have to spread it out, have multiple bye weeks. So they can mm-hmm. get all the testing in. Because we know that there's testing starting to become readily available for a fee. Uh, there's a better test that costs 200 per person. There's one now that costs 50 per person that it's being used 
in local government here in Miami. And that one's available to me on my insurance. So if I can pay $50 for it, I'm pretty sure NFL teams can afford it. So, and college teams, well, they're going to have to, for a lot of other people too, because you got to remember, it's not only the players, especially in college where it's 90 players. You're talking about all the, the student managers, all the, mm -hmm. the coaches, all the support staff. You're talking about a staff of about 180. So it could be kind of costly, but I'm pretty sure they can afford it. But I think a truncated schedule is what is probably in the offering for, the, for college football. I don't think they're going to play the entire schedule. And I don't think fans are going to be – it's not going to be possible to have fans yeah. at least this season. The NFL has a lot of support staff, on, you yeah. know, on the field. I mean, it's not just it's not just the fifty three players on each side. I mean, it, it, to make an NFL game go, you probably mm -hmm. how many how many people do you think have to be in that stadium to make an NFL game go, even without the fans there? You know, well, the video people, the video people alone are five people. The, yeah. the video people alone are five people. referees. Yeah, yeah. And, and those five people have a support staff of about eleven, maybe. So uh, a football team travel. You, you, you ever left people? a press box? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you ever left a press box and waited for the officials and the instant replay officials to to get into the lift? It takes about half an hour. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just wait for other people to get into the yeah. lift. So. Yeah, it, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting and, and kind of we're probably depressing our listeners by even talking getting into it that much, but. Um, especially when we're supposed to be hopeful right now for the draft, but I, no, I, I agree with you, Simon. And there's, there's definitely, there's, there's a discreet possibility, um, that, that we're not talking about this and you have to take, you have to look at the picks in this draft through that lens, like thinking about it, you know, Hey, these guys might not play this year. Um, does that change our strategy? And, uh, certainly with respect to two, I think it would. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's something to consider. Whereas, you know, somebody like Justin Herbert, maybe, maybe you're thinking, you know, the most important thing with him, we need to, we need to get him out of there, get our hands on him and, uh, and start fixing his issues. Uh, or even Jordan Love, you know, that way. Um, you might not get much of a chance to do that because there might not be practices. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, what's going to be interesting is how they're going to pull off camp because <laughs> football, unlike a lot of other sports where you can, you know, work out on your own to get yourself ready for a season, uh, football, you kind of need coordination and you need that camp. Uh, I used to complain about how, how short camp became under the new CBA and how little contact they had. So uh, imagine how, you know, what's going to look like now, you know, so I think that's important. I want to see what camp is going to look like. Mm. Have we got time quickly to run through the uh, the players that we know the Dolphins have met after the after the the combine? You know, obviously there's a list of players at the senior on the combine, but kind of feel like we should have a quick spin through all the players that the Dolphins have been facetiming with and having meetings with and those sorts of things. Just to get yeah, I think we an should. idea of the sorts of names. Um, I've got the list in front of me then. So if we go quarterbacks first, then Jordan Love obviously came for a visit and has fa had had FaceTimes. They tried to get two on a 30 visit that was cancelled. He's had FaceTimes. FaceTimes with James Morgan, Shea Patterson, Ben DiNucci, the James Madison quarterback, and Jacob Eason. These are the ones that we know. DeAndre Swift was a 30 cancel. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire's had FaceTimes and a 30 cancel. Jonathan Taylor, we're obviously at the pro day with, and um, our running backs coach ran the... Uh, 
at the Pro Day and they had dinner with him. Cam Akers was a 30-30 visit cancelled. J.K. Dobbins was a visit. We squeezed him in before shutdown. Zach Moss on FaceTime. Keyshawn Vaughan, Joshua Kelly, uh, Salvan Ahmed, DJ Dallas and Rico Dowdle, all FaceTimes. Uh, to receivers, Quez Watkins of Southern Miss, Denzel Mims of Baylor, both FaceTimes, Kendall Hinton of Wake Forest, Benjamin Victor of Ohio State, Jordan McRae of Oklahoma State. Uh, an interesting one, Lynn Bowden of Kentucky was a 30-visit cancel, but also has done FaceTime. Uh, then Will Hastings of Auburn, Dalton Schoen uh, and Jalen Rager of TCU, all FaceTimes. And then a very interesting one, Dan Chisena, Chisena. Um, who Chris knows a lot about. He's a, essentially a track star who runs a sort of four three, um, and then blew up at the um, tan, uh, Tangerine Bowl. Chris, is that right? Tro- the Tropical Bowl. The Tropical Bowl. That's right. Yeah, I knew it began with T. To tight ends, Adam Troutman has done FaceTime. Hunter Bryant, Dalton Keene, Shayan O'Grady, who's a guy we all like. Also, all those guys have done FaceTime. Dominic Wood Anderson of Tennessee and Stephen Sullivan of LSU. The offensive line names are very interesting. Sadiq Charles, a guy we all like, but has had some serious off-field issues, FaceTime. Robert Hunt uh, and Kevin Dotson of Louisiana were both 30-visit cancellations. Andrew Thomas, FaceTime. Austin Jackson was a 30-visit cancellation. Tristan Wirfs, Matt Hennessy, Nick Harris, all on FaceTime. Tyler Biadash, Lloyd Cushenbury. Michael Onwenu was a visit, uh, the Michigan guard. Simon Stepaniak was a 30-visit cancellation, Indiana guard. Uh, Prince Tego Wanogo was a FaceTime, as was Ezra Cleveland, Damian Lewis, Justin Gooseberry of Rice, and Zach Shackelford, the Texas center. I know this is a list of names and probably not particularly exciting for everybody, but defensively, DJ Wanham, uh, Derek Brown, Lecky Fotu, Lorel Murchison, Ty Phillips of Georgia Southern, Darian Daniels of Nebraska, Chris talked about last week, because they've worked out both uh, offensively and defensively. Chauncey Rivers, uh, if you watched uh, Last Chance U, he was on there. He was a Georgia uh, commit, ended up at uh, East Mississippi, now at Mississippi State. Jason Stowbridge. The very interesting Raekwon Davis to Sean Wharton of Missouri S&T, Michael Danner of Michigan, Ladarius Hamilton, Broderick Wilson, Curtis Weaver. And then some new names this week, Marlon Davidson, Alex Highsmith, Joe Gaziano of Northwestern, Robert Windsor, Yuta Gross-Matos, who was going to be a 30 visit that was cancelled, Nick Coe, Kadir Shepard of Old Miss, and Sean Bradley. So interesting linebacker names, Davion Taylor, Willie Gay on FaceTime, Marcus Bailey on FaceTime, Justin Sternad of Wake Forest on FaceTime. Rashad Smith, Jordan Mack, and Ken Coleman, and then defensive backs. Levonta Taylor of Florida State on FaceTime. Kindle Vilder of Georgia Southern. Javaris Davis, who's a guy whose name I consistently hear that the Dolphins are interested in. Uh, Noah Igbin, I can't even pronounce the second name, uh, of Auburn. <laughs> Xavier McKinney on FaceTime. Lavert Hill of Michigan on FaceTime. Javelin Guidry, Damon Hayes, Nigel Warrior, uh, Jeremy Chin of Southern Illinois. And C.J. Henderson, interestingly enough, who was a 30-visit cancellation. They are the names that we have confirmed through various sources, some including the always excellent Barry Jackson, um, but through a number of different sources of the teams, of the, of the players that the Dolphins have had significant interest in post the NFL scouting combine. A couple of quick guys that I could add to that, um, actually, is Case Cookus, the quarterback. That's um, very, you know, beneath the radar kind of guy. I've heard yeah. a lot about about um, their interest in him uh lucas nyang uh, a guy that we've yeah. we all like mm-hmm. um you know i i think that i don't think that's particularly secretive um that they have had contact there um 
and I that's all I'm thinking of right now but I, I know there's definitely some more yeah. yeah well guys I did a mock draft I don't know if you saw it on the five reasons sports network website and it seems to be well received because everybody likes the three guys I gave the Dolphins have you had a chance to look at it any criticisms um, you know, aside, you said you outlawed sort of trades and that's yeah. fine. Um, I think that, uh, so my honest opinion is that, uh, is that with the 26 pick, if I were mocking and, you know, doing this projecting and stuff like that, what I think is going to happen is I think the dolphins are going to sit down and take to a tongue of Ilo at number five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a possibility I I'm told that, there is a chance that the Los Angeles, a non-zero chance, certainly, and a significant one even, that the Los Angeles Chargers trade up to the number four pick to to get to Tungavailoa. I'm told that the the Chargers ownership like him, even uh, although it's unclear whether Tom Telesco and the football management like him. Um, and also, Peter King even brought this up. The even though Dave Gettleman has never traded down in his entire career everybody believes that the giants are willing to trade down. So, um, so if, if the chargers come calling with the right offer, they could bypass us and outmaneuver us for Tua Tonga Vailoa. Personally, I think that if they, they move up, then it's actually going to be for Justin Herbert because they don't want to take the chance that Miami does end up a Justin Herbert, um, you know, taker at number five. So anyway, uh, that, that's something that I would keep an eye on. Uh, the Dolphins, I would have them taking Tua Tungavailo just as you did, did. And then with the number 18 pick, I really think that they're going to trade up. I think that they're going to trade up from number 18, particularly look at the Cleveland Browns who are interested in tra- trading down, but especially look at the Arizona Cardinals because Miami's already done two trades with the Cardinals in the last year. Um, and, and sometimes when you have a rapport with a team, you know, you have a productive trade relationship that keeps going in the NFL. I mean, the NFL, there are teams that won't, won't, there are guys, uh, front offices that won't trade with each other, won't even talk to each other, you know, and then there are front offices that really trust each other and they speak the same language and they, they have a good rapport. And so they, they just end up trading with each other every year. So I think the Arizona Cardinals clearly what we saw with the um, with the Josh Rosen trade and then later the Kenyon Drake trade is that that is a that is a productive relationship and so I've heard, also heard that the the Cardinals might be interested in that trade down and so I would look for the Dolphins to trade up from eighteen to eight and you have Jedrick Wills going to um, the Cardinals at eight well. He would look fine in a Miami Dolphins uniform at number eight overall. And I think that the Dolphins could certainly trade up and give away one or even, you know, two of their second round picks, one this year, one next year, to try and do that. And then when when it comes to that 26 pick, you have Grant Delpit going there. Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, you you have a fine offensive tackle in Josh Jones going at number 18 to to the Dolphins. I I really like him. I'm not sure that the NFL are as high on him as as I would be or as we are. I also Um, find it strange that the Dolphins haven't met with him yet or yeah FaceTime with him which is yeah and, and and also like we've we've you know we have to take a step outside of ourselves and be realistic sometimes and and think about the fact that we've always heard that the Dolphins front office are a little bit more like SEC fans and yes. and sort of big school kind of people mm-hmm. 
And this is, this is a guy who played nobody <laughs> this year at, at, at Houston. And, yes. and he had his finest year as an older than average um, prospect and played nobody. So that's, that's, that's a red flag to some people. Um, I like him. I love him on tape. But that's that's something to think about. And then number twenty six, you have Grant Delpit. I have nothing against Grant Delpit. I just think that this spot is where they're going to get roll the dice, get Chancy, go for something great, and and pick up Clyde Edwards-Helaire of LSU. Mm-hmm. I think you got the you got the wrong LSU player at number twenty six overall. That's my personal opinion. I think this is where they try and round out the offense and get. I think they want to be multiple on offense. I think they want to be dynamic. I think they want to. You know, they have Chan Gailey there, and he has a history of being, you know, dynamic and having all these different ideas at the quarterback position with the mobility there, but also the running back position. I think they want to they get somebody who's, who's versatile in the passing game, and nobody's more versatile in the passing game than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And, um, and so I, I, think that's the, I think that's the pick. So if you, had to, if you had to put a gun to my head, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think they'll take two at five. Um, I really do. I don't think the Chargers will trade up, actually. Uh, I don't think Tom Telesco, you know, just sort of looking at the tea leaves and looking at the way that people are talking, I don't think Telesco loves Tua enough. There's been a lot of Andrew Thomas talk in the last few days. You look at the fact, look at their tackles. They've got Brian Belaga, who missed 13 games the last three years at right tackle and, and literally nobody at left tackle. You know, the consistent thing we've heard about the Chargers is Anthony Lynn loves Tyrod Taylor as a bridge quarterback. Um, I think if the Dolphins do move up, I actually think that nine spot with Jacksonville, you know, the Jags are just looking to load up on picks for 2021, you know, that we know that they're front runners in the Trevor Lawrence race. Um, you know, who have they, you know, they've lost almost every defensive player of value except for Miles Jack. You saw the argument today with Yannick Ngakwe and, and Tony Khan. Um, they're, they're, they're trying to get rid of Leonard Fournette. Um, I think the Jags are primed for a trade down. So I think if the right player is there, I can see the Dolphins move up. Um, if not, you know, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they took, you know, I saw Peter King's mock today and maybe want to shoot myself with AJ Epinesa and Austin Jackson. <laughs> Jackson, in a way, wouldn't surprise me. In fact, would probably surprise me less than Josh Jones. And he had um, us given up a second round pick to move up, what, one, one yeah. spot to take Herbert? I know. I think <laughs> we'll take King a safety. took a shit on paper and then put it on the internet. Oh. I think we'll take a safety at some point and I would take Dilpit. Um We've talked about Edward Hilaire, how much we love him. I, I still wonder what, you know, how, you know, you look at DeAndre Swift talked about how much the Dolphins loved him. J.K. Dobbins has said the same thing. There's obviously strong interest in Cam Akers. I, I just wonder if the value is there at 26 for Edward Hilaire, as good as he is and he is, knowing that they could probably get him at 39. I wouldn't surprise me if they dealt back. You know, there might be a team looking to come up and take... You know, is there a falling quarterback? Does do, what about Jordan Love? You know, is the you know is that possible prime? You know, what about if the Chargers pass on a quarterback and all of a sudden Love is sat there at twenty six? You know, would you make that deal to move back to thirty four, thirty five, whatever it is? Um, so I just you know, I, I it's hard to it's hard to say for me. I, would, I you know, if I was to, to if I was to go out of the limb, I might say Del Pitt at twenty six, Austin Jackson at nineteen. Two or at five. 18, you mean? 18. 18, even, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trading back one spot. Yet. Yeah, trading back one spot for Vernon Carey. <laughs> what do you think of Austin Jackson? We've talked about him. We kind of, uh, you know, kind of danced about it a little bit. And, um, yeah. 
and you know, I, th- I it's it's a serious possibility for Miami, so we, we should address it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think too much of of him, of Austin Jackson. Yeah, I mean, his tape frightens me. I've got to say, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> He's a guy know. that I was I, I, made aware of as being a first-round prospect a month ago, and I just don't see it. I never saw it. I never saw it when I watched him play. Played at a big school, watched him a lot live, and he never struck me as a first-round talent. And on some boards, Lucas Niang is not, and Josh Jones is a late first-round pick. Then I don't know what the hell I'm looking at at tackle because I saw Austin Jackson play plenty, and he never struck me as a top-30 player. So – why would he be now? So I wouldn't want him. Yeah, my personal opinion on Austin Jackson, to echo much of what you guys have said, is clearly you see the athletic potential in mm-hmm. him. And well, looks from the, the first from the first time, it's not just that he looks apart; he moves the part. Like he's yeah. he well, he doesn't move like a football player, but he does move like a great like a really good athlete. Um, but the fact of the matter is that he wasn't. I mean, I. I'm I'm hesitant on this because I know that when you just put down the the production, you know, pressures and stuff like that, that that's let up. He actually had a decent season, um, and maybe that's part of the story here. He was 20 years old. He missed the entire off season because he donated bone marrow to save his sister's life. Um, so he was thrown in there. I think a lot of teams are giving him sort of the the pass on that on the season because of that. Uh, but I looked at him sort of at the end of the season, at the in the, in the bowl game, and you know, the off season was a long time ago. That the off season that you missed at that point was a long time ago. Um, and he just, you know, he he just looked like Edward Scissorhands out there. Um, you know, as far as his technique goes and and his skill, he he looks very clunky, overly deliberate. Um, he doesn't have a natural feel for things yet. He doesn't, you know, he just doesn't, he just doesn't look like a good offensive lineman. I think that if they do take him, it's going to be, well, we think that three years down the road, he will be, you know, and they're going to be looking at that athleticism and the way that he moves. And they're going to say, we, we can do the rest, especially if if Simon, if there's no season this year, then you get a, you get a bonus here um, to, to coach him up, I guess, uh, or to let him develop. Presumably he'll be developing on his own or, um, somehow they'll try and get their hands on them and help them develop. But yeah, that's, that's the idea. But overall I'm with you guys. I'm probably not buying it. Um, I, you know, before we get out of here, I, I just wanted to do this to kind of, you know, lay some names out there. We've given you a bunch of names of who the dolphins have interviewed, but I want to know who we think, you know, who, who we think uh, could end up a Miami dolphin at end of the day. Um, and who we're on watch for. And, and maybe uh, if we could each go around with the positions and maybe just give between three and five names that, that, we, that we believe could be a guy. I mean, I'll, I'll be happy to go first. I think that Tua Tungvaluwa, obviously, uh, and then the other ones are Jordan Love. And then, honestly, be on the lookout in the late rounds. I, I said his name already, Case Cookus. I've heard his name. You never know. Um, at running back, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire and DeAndre Swift are are distinct possibilities for Miami. But also, you know, pay attention to uh, Joshua Kelly of UCLA. Um, I think mm-hmm. that he I got him on my way, list too. <laughs> yeah, one way or another, um, that could end up happening. Uh, and Cam Akers, I'll I'll make that a fourth. I, I think they sneaky sneaky onto him. 
we already know about J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor. So um, those are kind of implied. Uh, at wide receiver, the one I'd like to isolate is Quez Watkins of Southern Miss. And that's just because of what a fast playmaker he is. And we've been hearing that the Dolphins might be interested in somebody like Henry Ruggs or somebody like that in the first round. Um, and certainly they could use a speed demon with to go along with like Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. Uh, I think Wes Watkins could potentially be that. He's, he's a very um, talented player at Southern Miss, and I know they've been paying attention to him. Uh, Lynn Bowden is another one to watch out for in that on that list ultimately um and then james Prochet because he's such a uh such a vintage slot guy um at tight end i think that you have to keep an eye on uh hunter bryant the two bryants hunter bryant and harrison bryant and uh and i think that you know those could be guys that the dolphins end up with somewhere down the road and then the other one is dalton Keene of virginia tech uh, tackle um I think that they're going to be they're going to be really on to Andrew Thomas and Jedrick Wills. I've heard that, you know, I I don't really know if they're on to Josh Jones, so I'm not going with that. I think the mm-hmm. other ones are going to be Lucas Nyang, and yeah. I pay attention to Jack Driscoll and Isaiah Wilson, uh, Isaiah Wilson of Georgia. Um, that's another one of those, you know, he might be a better pro longer down down the road than he is right now. At guard, I think Robert Hunt consistently have heard about 100%. this. Yeah. Cameron yeah. Clark. Cameron Clark. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, Michael Owenwenu uh, is another guy to, you know, there's a Michigan there's a Michigan thing happening there. I, I, I wish I had a – Simon, I wish I had a great idea of which center is going to be theirs, is going to be the guy. But um, yeah. I don't have a great idea of which, which guy it's going to be. Um, it seems like they're probably going to get one. But – you know who knows who it is so we'll see uh dj wanham at, uh, on the defensive side switching to the defensive side of the ball now dj wanham certainly um i think that another guy that fits them and that you look for is jabari zuniga and yes. uh yeah i mean absolutely 100 percent fits yeah. what they do there um we mentioned Alex Highsmith. We're all very high, high on him. And I know the Dolphins have been interested, so we'll see. Uh, and then at defensive tackle, I think that, um, you know, I don't know who they're going to come away with, but I, the only one I really name here is Darian Daniels because I, I kind of think they're going to try and find a way to come away with him. Uh, at linebacker, um, you know, Willie Gay, I love that guy. Uh, he's a really good player and, and Justin Strenad of Wake Forest I think the the theme here is coverage guys like speed guys um, along with Davian Taylor Colorado so keep an eye on anybody that fits that description at cornerback uh, Javelin Guidry and uh, I would also look for Amik Robertson of Louisiana Tech um, that, those are two guys to keep an eye on and then a safety it's got to be Ashton Davis Jeremy Chin, uh, one of those guys, uh, maybe maybe Kyle Duggar. Um, I know you guys are going to be keeping an eye on Grant Delpit and, and Antoine Winfield, I will as well. Um, but I kind of wonder about the injury thing with Antoine Winfield when they're already on it with Tua. You know, it kind of – I, I, I kind of wonder about that. For us. It just makes too much sense. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it could be, but I, I think that he could be in for a fall because he's he spent two years injured. And um, I know that, you know, Daniel Jeremiah even said this on Twitter one time and people thought he was talking about two and it wasn't, he wasn't, he, he said, if you spent a lot of the last two years injured, be prepared for a fall in this draft. The NFL teams aren't having it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's to me, Antoine Winfield is, is, is right in the, right in the crosshairs on that. So I think actually first round could be more like Ashton Davis or yes. Jeremy Chin. Yeah. Know? I was going to get um, to that right now. So, but yeah, you can go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I was thinking about the defensive backs and especially at 26, when I did my mock draft, I accounted for the SEC bias and that's why I put Grant Delpit in there, mm-hmm. but it could easily be Ashton Davis. And I, and I'll tell you why doesn't he fit that profile. He's a guy who is kind of new to football, so he's, he's moldable. He was a, a two-time special teams MVP. He had to work his way into the starting lineup as a, as a senior, and he checks out physically perfectly. And his range suggests that he's going to be he's – the, he's the consummate single high safety, which is yep. something that they lack. But I really like that idea of, of the guy who's new to football. It, it just smells like – the Patriot way, right? The guy who is mm. a high character guy who is, you know, checks out physically perfectly. Cause that's one thing you can always do. That's, that's one thing you could, you could trace back every single defensive back that, that the Patriots have ever drafted or signed. Like they like speed. So mm. if you ain't fast, you're probably not going to make, on, you're not going to be on their team. You're not going to get drafted. Having said that a guy I do like, later on and i think he also fits that mold as lamar jackson of nebraska mm. and i'll tell you why uh his size to speed ratio checks out and checks out in this respect i don't think he's gonna play in the boundary in the nfl i think he's a safety and if he's a safety in the nfl if you watch him play he's fluid enough he's gonna be he, he's gonna be versatile enough where he can cover tight ends he can cover the slot he can play single high he could even play in the box because he's physical type so he's a guy I would watch, you know, fourth round-ish. Uh, the running backs, what else is there to say? Uh, I did hear in December, why would it be any different? You know, they met with him at the Combine for two and a half hours. J.K. Dobbins, uh, I was told Eric Studsville is sold on him. But since then, you know, he worked out Jonathan Taylor. Uh, we've heard things about Edwards Hilaire. We've, we've heard Cam Akers for, for months now. And, you know, DeAndre Swift, we know they like him. So we know that there's a big five, let's say, a big five that they're interested in. But I would throw in DJ Dallas later on in the draft and, and your guy, Joshua Kelly, of course, for sure. On the offensive line, I've given up trying to handicap what they would like because I, didn't, I would never have thought that Eric Flowers would fit the mold of what they would like on the offensive line. But remember, it's a new regime there. But I will say this, uh, Chan Gailey – Likes to run a lot of lead ISO. You got to want to leak out the, the center, have the center hit two people, at least get the combo block and then try to reach the inside, at least the scrape backer. Who does that make sense for as far as that center? Lloyd Cushenberry. He's a guy that can't do it. He has really long arms. He has a good first step and he gets out into the second level. So I think he fits the profile. So I don't know if I'd spend a, a very high pick on him, but. I guess toward the end of that second round, there could be a run on interior lineman, and that could bring up his name. 
And at wide receiver, we talked about it all the time. Like, you know, what are they really missing? We're enamored with Devontae Parker, at least the season that Devontae Parker had last year, and Preston Williams we all like. And we kind of like the depth there, although it's been injured depth the last two seasons. But what do they really, really need? They need a slot guy, right? So who's the best slot guy that's probably going to be available in that second round? And that's Tyler Johnson. Now, I've already assigned too many second-round picks, but, you know, they, have, they do have two of them. Uh, I wonder if they're not going to move out of that 26 spot, try to add another second-rounder and another third-rounder, and maybe they can, you know, fill all of these needs that they have. But, yeah, I think that 26 pick is going to be fascinating because I think it's the most likely one that they trade back on, that they trade down on, and the 18th pick is probably probably the the one that they're most likely to move to move up with, and I don't think it's a. I, we've heard so much about Andrew Thomas, and I love Andrew Thomas. I think he's the best tackle in this draft. And some would say, well, he you know he's a left tackle, and if you draft Tua Tagovailoa, you know you don't have his blind side. Well, you know I've said it before. Yeah, you don't want him getting killed from his blind side, but you know what really rattles a left-handed quarterback? A guy running free into his face over and over again. So you kind of want to have a decent left tackle. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, the more I hear about this, that they could, they package 18 and one of the firsts from next year, probably the later one, to move up to take Andrew Thomas after they take Tuatunga Bailoa. And if you think about it, you know, that'll be a celebratory move because you end up getting Tua Tungo Bailoa, you end up getting your tackle, and you still have 26. And you do get the premium tackle. You still have 26. You still have Tua at five. And you still have one first-round pick next year. So I don't – I think that that could be the move. But, you know, I'm not sure about it, but it could be the move. Now, as far as a player I like, and I would like to see them take, J.R. Reed, I've talked about it. Now, granted, if we take an Ashton Davis at 26, a Grant Delpit at 26, then I don't think J.R. Reed is in the cards. But if they're using that pick on a running back, and I'm fine with any of those, any of the five that we've listed, then I think J.R. Reed right there in that sweet spot at, I don't know. Uh, it has to be with one of our third round picks because I don't think he makes it to our next pick after that. So that's who I'm looking at. Uh, I think quarterback wise, you know, you guys have mentioned it, Love and Tua, obviously. I think James Morgan of FIU uh, and Jake Luton of Oregon State are two guys that they're going to look at in later rounds. We know about the running backs as well. You can throw a blanket over all five of them. I do think Edward Hilaire um, is a guy I've been told about um, that there's a significant interest. Cam Akers, I think, as well. I, I, Joshua Kelly, I was told the senior bowl they had a lot of interest in. Uh, those guys wouldn't surprise me at all. I know they've done done time with Zach Moss as well. Receiver-wise, Denzel Mims, I, I, I've been told they really like Denzel Mims. Whether that happens or not, Lynn Bowden is the other guy that I keep hearing. Um, they wouldn't surprise me. But then also, you know, you have to think about the versatility of a guy like LaVisca Chenault. If Chenault mm. falls a little bit because of the injury, you know, he, there's going to come a point where you just cannot pass that value up. He is just too good. Um, so good. Dolphins yeah. fan. Yeah. Dolphins fan, obviously, amazing backstory. The other name I've heard a little bit about, but I, I wouldn't surprise me if he went in the first, back into the first round, is Michael Pittman. 
Um, you put on the Utah tape where he's playing Terrell Burgess, Jalen Johnson, Guidry, um, Justin Blackman, you know, and he, he just eats that secondary up. I mean, he's absolutely dominant. I think Pittman is a really, really good player. Um, tight end wise, Stephen Sullivan at FSU, I think is at LSU is an interesting guy. Wouldn't surprise me if as an undrafted free agent, Dominic Wood Anderson is a guy they took home. The, the tackles are really interesting. I do think that there's a significant interest in Austin Jackson. I do think there's probably a significant interest in Ezra Cleveland. For whatever reason, I don't think there's a significant interest in Josh Jones, and I wonder whether it's a level of competition. Andrew Thomas, obviously, um, is the name that continues to bang. Um, I think Sadiq Charles, is a, they've got so many picks. I think if Charles starts to fall because of his off-field issues, I think that the risk will outweigh the... The, or the reward will outweigh the risk. Uh, the reward will outweigh the risk. There you go. Finally, um, and it's, uh, Justin Gooseberry is a name as well. The right, right tackle. Th- those names just don't come out of nowhere for, for for no reason. You know, he's a kind of off the radar guy. Um, that wouldn't surprise me either. Even if it's an un- as an undrafted free agent. In terms of the guards. You know, Robert Hunt, is he a guard, is he a tackle? But again, as you said, Chris, that's a name we've been hearing consistently. Kevin Dotson, his teammate at Louisiana, is another guy that I think they'll they'll be in on. Uh, Simon Stepaniak of Indiana, similarly, uh, you mentioned on Wenu, wouldn't surprise me at all. And then centres, for me, Cesar Ruiz, I would take him in the first round. I think he's the best interior lineman in the, in the draft. But I think um, Nick Harris at Washington, there seems to be quite a lot of Nick Harris chat, which wouldn't surprise me defensively. I know they love Derek Brown, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Um, I think um, I think Curtis Weaver of Boise State is a guy that they're going to find interesting. Uh, I know they tried to get him in on a 30. They've ended up doing a FaceTime with him. Um, would not surprise me. If, you know, if he can get a bit stronger against the run, um, he may just be that sort of situational pass rusher to start with, but he wouldn't surprise me. Um, defensive tackle, Lecky Fotu. Of Utah, I think they're looking for a zero technique. I think photo Robert Windsor at Penn State is another guy. Um, linebacker wise, I think um, Marcus Bailey definitely. It's interesting that they're looking at those smaller guys. Albert Breer mentioned today for no reason whatsoever mm. the name Patrick Queen and said that the Dolphin he he would be a guy that the Dolphins would find very interesting. I was told as well that they really like a Keen Davis Gator. Um, who is very similar to 25 type um, coverage linebacker, like D- Davion Taylor, a guy that Chris mentioned, who I'm a big fan of. And then the secondary, I think, um, I think, you know, we heard that talk the other day about Jeremy Chin. I think Levonta Taylor is a guy that they, they can see as a sub package safety. Who's, you know, got value can play inside, outside can sort of play all over sort of began to build his career back up after the back injury in 2018. I think he's a guy that, that we're interested in. Said it earlier on Javaris Davis at Auburn. I think they view as a, a really feisty, fast slot cornerback. Um, so yeah, there's some of the names that I think the Dolphins will, the Dolphins will look to come away with, but yeah, we, we shall see. It's fa- Terrell Burgess as well at Utah, I think, is a guy that can play in the slot, play nickel and play deep. I think mm. he might be value if he gets to, say, 70, for example. And I forgot to mention Kaliki Hudson. I mean, just yes. because of the, 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 the coach connection there, um, you know, yeah. with the, the Campanile that came over from Michigan. He Even though Kaliki Hudson's technically a safety, um, Campanile coached him as uh, as a linebacker, basically a linebacker hybrid, 
and he was sort of, I mean, they had a close relationship. So that wouldn't surprise me if that worked out. All right, guys. And in closing, will both of you participate on Thursday on the Five Reasons Drafts show that will be live on Twitter and YouTube? Will both of you be on there? I will try. Uh, as long as my electronics, uh, you know, cooperate. I, I just tried to do a five reasons, uh, five reasons to drink session with everybody. And I probably heard about one third of the conversation because the audio was just flat awful. So, um, so we'll see. Uh, I'll try and get things straightened out by then. Yeah. And Simon, will you be there or? or I, I don't know if I've had the invite yet. Have I? Yes, you have the invite. Stop saying oh. that you haven't been invited. Okay. You're invited. You will be there. It'll be a, cl a, a little link. You can click on it, and all of a sudden, your face will show up live on Twitter and YouTube. Wow. Okay. I'll be there, and I'll be, I'll be tipping off the picks after they happen in real time. Okay? So. Our favorite. <laughs> yeah. It's, by the way, it is interesting this year that it, nobody can scoop anybody because ESPN and NFL Network are participating in partnership to bring to you the draft, meaning there, there will be no news because all the news will be broadcast. So bizarre that Rich Eisen isn't presenting. Bizarre that Rich Eisen isn't presenting it. Right? It is odd. Right? They've stuck and, him on the draftathon. Although no insiders is very interesting. Okay. Mm. So the teams will control the control the narrative of the draft the whole way through. Nobody will come in with any of their reports. And if somebody does then it's obviously somebody from home calling these people and we know who the sources are because they'll be on TV. We'll see who's drafting and we'll know, okay, that guy leaked to Jay Glazer or to Adam Schefter. So it's going to be interesting. I wonder how they're going to pull it off. Today they did their little mock draft and the whole draft went haywire for the first pick, but then they fixed their issues, which is, which is insane. Hopefully. Like, like, really, uh, Adam Schefter came on and said, oh, everything went haywire with the first pick. And I'm like, come on, guys. There's phones, okay? You can call in and say, look, we take Joe Burrow, all right? Put it on the screen. End of story. You know, it's not that hard. We're talking internet here, okay? And we're talking about the richest league in the United States. They Dave afford... Gettleman will send a letter with a stamp. He, yeah. <laughs> Dave Gettleman will send carrier pigeons he's for got, his second round pick. He's got two paper cups and a piece of string. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting when they when they when they flash to the Giants at four and you see Gettleman like typing furiously into his into his laptop and nothing happening and him freaking out because the pick is not up yet. You know? You know, it's you know it'll be two finger typing too, right? <laughs> Obviously. I, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, all those reports today, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? They're going to have to stop the draft 5,000 times. It's Internet, people. There's phones. You could call in. You could get the phone, call in and say, Andrew Thomas, and then text it to, to make sure, okay? And they'll put, that, they'll put that up, all right? If millions and millions of people can do fantasy drafts every year, the NFL can figure out one draft this year, all right? So we encourage you. No, maybe next year they will do it in a Buffalo Wild Wings. And, uh, <laughs> yes. You know, just, just why not? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So if people can figure it out all over this land for millions and millions of fantasy drafts, the NFL can figure it out with their billions and billions of dollars. But, yeah, we do encourage you. Join us on Thursday. Grab a drink. Grab a 
yeah, you mentioned Buffalo Wild Wings. Well, they're not a sponsor, but grab, grab, grab some chicken wings, grab anything. And join us live on Twitter and YouTube. All right. Happy draft, people. We will be back to react to all of the picks on Thursday, Friday, and maybe even Saturday. All right. That's it. There is no more. See you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.